Hi everyone, welcome to the It's Growing Season podcast. I'm your host Maggie, and this series will be about all things related to real growth, true health and wellness, and learning to love and care for yourself. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope this podcast inspires you to invest in yourself more and to never stop growing into the best version of you. So without further ado, let's jump right into the show. Welcome back to the It's Growing Season podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 44, where I have a conversation with Meg McCabe, who is a certified eating disorder recovery coach, founder of the Recovery Collective, and host of the Full and Thriving podcast. Meg is someone who has helped me so much in my own recovery, and I'm so, so, so excited and grateful to have her on my show today. In this episode, we talk about the body comparison trap and how to overcome the fear of weight gain. We learn that active recovery and embracing weight gain is an act of social advocacy and a stand against diet culture. We talk about the importance of community and recovery and understand that you do not have to recover alone. And most importantly, in my opinion, we discuss how we can rediscover life and passions outside of your eating disorder when you're not so fixated on your food and body anymore. I am so excited to share this with you all. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, it would really help me if you could leave me a review and rating on Apple Podcast, and you can find all of Meg's links in the show notes below. And yeah, I'm not going to make this intro any longer. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. And without further ado, let's dive right into the show. Hi, Meg. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Maggie. How are you? <laughs> You're so welcome. It's great to be on your show. I'm doing well. I'm so excited to have you here. Before we started recording, I was just telling you how much you've inspired me in my own recovery journey. I'm so happy to have you on my show today. Um, Seems very full circle. (laughs) And before we dive into the conversation, I would love if you could introduce yourself a little bit so the listeners can get to know you first. Awesome. Well, hello, everyone listening. My name is Meg McCabe. I am a Carolyn Costin Institute certified eating disorder recovery coach. And I'm also the founder of the Recovery Collective. And even more importantly, I have lived experience with an eating disorder myself. And I think that's what really inspired me to go down this path in life is just, um, you know, when I was in the thick of my eating disorder, there was a part of me that knew that I would be going through that so that I could get through it and help other people get through their own recoveries. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. I would love to talk more about that. Just how your relationship with food shifted over the years from mm-hmm. being someone who was struggling with an eating disorder to now becoming a coach who's able to help other people through that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So my relationship with food started out very normally, you know, as a child, I actually had an Italian mom who really embraced food and my dad didn't have any disordered patterns with food. So I actually don't think I picked up my eating disorder really from any patterns around me. Mm -hmm. I was just heavily influenced by, I think, 
kind of internalized misogyny in a way. Like I really took in the messages of the media. So I was thinking in order to be like valued by men, I had to be really thin and beautiful. And so by the time I was in high school, I super focused on this need to look a certain way and to be a certain size. And the only way I could do that was by dieting, you know? So it started out as a diet really for this need to feel special. Um, and I decided to become a fashion model. Cause like, that's just proof that I've achieved my internalized <laughs> misogyny goals. You know, it was like, I am now, I can be a model and I will be, I've achieved like the highest of the high, um, worth according to my really young brain, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, the dieting transformed quickly into more disordered eating. And then I started using really overt eating disorder behaviors, which made it a full blown eating disorder. And I had an eating disorder, uh, for a few years. And throughout that time, I did get a modeling contract. I moved to New York city, um, continued just having a very tumultuous relationship with food, very punishing relationship with food. And also I would say, um, a relief seeking relationship with food. So, um, I would use behaviors to feel a sense of relief from all the pressure I put on myself, which, um, I didn't really realize that at the time, looking back, I'm like, wow, that was my tool to, to feel better, which wasn't a healthy coping mechanism at all. Um, but then I do give myself credit. And I was sharing this with the girls in the recovery collective back in the day when I was that young, I was very, I'm very impressed looking back on how intuitive I was and how in touch with my inner voice I was and how I didn't doubt my gut at all. Like if you were to ask me now, I'm way more confused as an adult than when I was that young. <laughs> she was very wise. So when I finally started distinguishing between my eating disorder voice and my healthy voice, I really fully embraced the healthy voice and was able to pull myself out of recovery because I trusted that part of me so much. Um, and then my relationship with food transformed over time. It really was a learning process. Um, so I really leaned on actually, so people talk about hunger and fullness and if you should respond to hunger and all that. I actually found with my chaotic nature of the eating disorder that focusing on listening to my fullness and, um, taking care of my body when I was in that state helped me learn more intuitive eating and how to make intuitive choices. And then also listening to the part of me that, um, you know, asking myself, what do I want to eat? You know, what sounds good? All of those skills kind of came to the forefront and that's what transformed into intuitive eating, which is where I am now. And it feels really like a super power in my opinion, to be able to not have to be so preoccupied with food and so obsessed with my body image and all of that. So that was a long-winded realm of, I don't know, it was a long-winded story, but I hope that 
answers your question. Yeah. Thank you so much. (laughs) And I'm just curious to learn, you know, how do people become more in touch with their own, that healthy voice, like you said, because I'm sure a lot of people, especially if you've been so, you know, plagued with diet culture, it's so hard to recognize the inner voice. So how do you even begin to trust it? Yeah. Wow. Really good question. So the first thing I do with my clients typically is get them to really start becoming aware of the two different voices and being able to distinguish them. So usually one of the first homework assignments is just on a little notes tracker on your phone, like the app, just write down the ED voice you hear throughout the day. So that's the only task. It's more like an observational study. You know, you're observing your thoughts, you're writing them down and you're seeing what your eating disorder is saying day to day. And you'll start to notice that it's kind of just a whiny brat that says the same handful of things over and over again. Mm -hmm. And then throughout the process, I'll teach others the tools on how to challenge that ED voice with their healthy self. And the healthy self is um, often much more quiet than the ED voice right away. And a lot of times your healthy self says things that you want to believe, but deep down, it doesn't have the power to make you change your behavior. So you really do have to build up that healthy self uh, through a variety of tools. Um, But the main one I think that you can tap into really quickly is is by asking yourself, if a loved one said this to me, how would I respond? So a lot of times we can't apply that same love we have for others to ourselves, but this is the act of really identifying that love and saying, it's okay to try to direct that, those comments to myself. So if you have, do you have a younger sibling or cousins or niece or nephews or anyone that you really care about? Yeah. 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 So so I'm sure people listening do too. Who comes to mind for you? Um, Actually, this person is not born yet. I was thinking about, yeah, so I'm going to be an aunt soon. I was thinking like, if, because um, my sister is having a daughter and I was thinking like, I don't want, I don't want her to grow up in an environment where she feels unsafe around food. So I want to give her that love, but I should also be giving that love to myself. Yes. See, that's the perfect example. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting that you're picking someone unborn because I see that all the time. I see uh, young women who say, I want to do this for my future daughter, or I can imagine what it would be like to be a mom or a niece. So if your future niece came up to you and said, I feel so gross and I hate my body, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure you can think of a million loving, compassionate things yeah. to respond to her with, you know, and I'm like putting you on the spot, but what comes to your mind? I I feel like I'm like, I've never really asked questions in an interview for myself, but what comes to your head when you think about like that responding to that? Yeah, I think it's just so much compassion, so much compassion for the other person, but how do you redirect that to yourself? Because when you were talking about, you know, those two voices, I was thinking about, that quiet kid in class, which is the healthy voice. And then there's that bully, which is the the ED voice. And that bully, you know, is constantly 
making, you know, making so much noise in the class and, you know, disrupting the class. And then that quiet kid who's actually the more observant, you know, the nice kid in the back of the class who's, who needs that confidence boost. So you kind of have to slowly, you know, raise them up, give them that voice again, and then slowly shut that bully off. That was what came to mind when I was thinking about the two voices, because we always are battling those two in our minds. So how do you, you know, give that healthy voice, bring that healthy voice up to the stage and, you know, kick, (laughs) kick the other voice (laughs) out. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, that little tool about reflecting on what you would say to a loved one, I totally hear what you're getting at. You're like, well, that's fine and dandy, but I still don't know how to apply it to myself. And that really comes over time. The more you flush out those conversations between EV and the healthy self. So I would recommend opening up a document and writing out a dialogue between the EV self and the healthy self and utilize every, everything you can logic emotion, like sarcasm, whatever it is to get the healthy self to, to you, which is really you, which is your health, bring out those points and make them very clear to yourself. So that eventually when you are in the moment, you say, Oh, I know what I need to say. I know what I need to do. And it gets easier, but it's, it doesn't come immediately. And, um, different healthy voice tactics work better on other people. So some people really connect to science and logic. Other people connect to the big picture and reminding themselves of why they're in this and why they're doing this. Mm. Um, But you just have to also, it comes down to permission. You have to give yourself permission to be open to hearing that compassionate voice and bringing it in for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense because everyone everyone has a different motivation for recovering. So whether it be you appealing to statistics and facts, you know, if that helps you recover, then that's wonderful. But if you want to, if, if what appeals to you is the thought of, you know, having kids in the future or wanting to do this for your, the future generations, you know, so many different ways and you just have to find what works for you and keep that goal in the back of your mind always when you're struggling. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And you'll find the more apparent you make your vision and your goals, the easier it is to quiet down that ED voice, because Mm -hmm. that's something that's much bigger than your eating disorder. And if you can connect to your why, it's going to be able, you'll probably be able to quiet that ED enough so that you can take action that's more aligned with reaching that goal, which is going to be whatever healthy step is in front of you. Mm, yeah, this reminds me of, it's just kind of random, but I'm taking, so I started school on Monday, like I said, and I am taking a class on like nonprofit communication. And cool. in class yesterday, the professor asked us to like go on a nonprofit website and view the mission and vision of the of the nonprofit. And she was describing mission as something that is more like present, like what they're doing now and vision is what they want in the future. So I just thought, you know, the mission of what you what should, you should be doing in the present and recovery is just like, you know, challenging those meals day by day and 
conquering those limiting beliefs and your vision is what you envision yourself to be in the future so like that healthy self you know Mm -hmm. doing this for your future generations or being able to just be so careful with food so I think it's good to have like those stepping stones but also that future big picture goal Exactly. And that's what, cause you asked me about how did I get so clear with my higher self, my yeah. healthy self. And that was exactly what happened with me. I remember writing down a pro con list about all, if I should recover or not. And I went through the con list and there was a few really blink, like glaringly obvious red flags. I wasn't getting my period mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a mom. And then also that red flag reminded me, this is a no go, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to be a mom. So I'm connecting to the vision. And then also the mental preoccupation with food was really too emotional for me, too distressing. And I wanted to think about other things. So I connected to like wanting to advance my career and like thrive in school and all those things. So I was connecting myself to that vision. And I think it's very cool to think that you have people in your life who aren't even born yet, like your future children or your niece who are saving you in this moment. Like they've already served a huge purpose and they're not even here yet. Isn't that amazing? That's so beautiful. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Yeah. And just talking about, you said you would make a list of pros and cons of recovery. And I'm sure a lot of people and most people who have struggled with restrictive eating disorders are afraid of the weight gain. And Mm -hmm. that is probably like a major con to starting recovery, but it's so necessary. And I want to, you know, shift the conversation talking about overcoming weight gain. And I was listening to one of your podcast episodes on this, and I would love if you could kind of talk about, you know, how people can overcome that fear. Yes. So it takes thinking differently than you've ever thought before. You cannot live in the old mindset anymore. You really have to pull yourself out to more of a place of big picture and spiritual growth and social advocacy. So with weight gain, one thing that I think is really important to remember is that when you allow your body to be the size it's meant to be, you're giving others permission to live in their bodies the way their bodies want to be. And when you gain weight, you are silently actually fighting the patriarchy (laughs) in a way, because when you gain weight and accept it and embrace it and say, you know, this is really where my body wants to be. You are actually helping the world become a better place. You are actually just making it okay for everyone else. And that's a mindset that I want everyone to remember. So whenever I feel like Like during COVID, I'm sure I don't weigh myself anymore. I'm sure my body changed a little bit, you know, and I was just thinking, this is good because if I'm okay with my body changing, the people around me are going to be okay. If I go around freaking out and trying to diet and trying to go back into the old ways, everyone's going to get the message. Oh, body changing is not okay. We need to resist it. So that's a big one, I think. And 
you have to do it for our, our friends and family who are living in larger bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to share the message to those who are less privileged than us that we're okay with it. We're not trying to not be in a larger body. So that's number one. I have a bunch of things coming to my mind on the other side of the coin, spiritually, you want to reflect. So if you see other people in the world dieting and you feel triggered by that and you feel triggered by people, you know, who might be in the height of their eating disorders, instead of falling back into that, which is a really low vibrational state, it's important to recognize how far you've come and say, that's no longer my journey. I've actually transcended that problem. Mm -hmm. I've transcended that issue. And I, it's, they might still be in that space and it's not my job to pull them out of it, but I'm going to protect myself and recognize that it's safe to be where I am and it's safe to take up space. And that's a place I used to be, but I'm not there anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. So many things I want to touch on. We can continue talking about your other tips, Um, but just, I love how you mentioned social advocacy. That was probably the most like wow moment for me when I listened to that episode, because I've never thought about that. Um, You said in the episode, every pound you gain is a stand against diet culture. And that just like, it blew my mind. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true because in a world that is completely, you know, it's a very fat phobic society nowadays. And if you're willingly accepting, well, you have to learn to accept that this is what's going to happen to you. And if you are able to accept that you're going to gain weight, you are standing against that culture. It's like you're protesting against the system that is suppressing you and making you smaller, especially women, making women smaller so that they can, you know, stay, stay quiet, stay hungry. And it's, I I honestly, I love that so much because I love anything like social advocacy and the fact that this is now related to social advocacy. I'm like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It connects you to something much bigger than yourself. Yeah. And also I think people in general with eating disorders are very compassionate, loving yeah. People who are natural healers and helpers. And so if you can connect it to a mission that helps others, which is fighting diet culture, which is the reason why we're all here anyway, yeah. like every pound you gain is basically a big middle finger to diet culture, <laughs> which is great. And, and it's also a big um, hug to those around you who've been oppressed by weight stigma yeah. you know, to embrace that. Yeah. And you talking about spirituality as well. It's so important because on like a vibrational level, diet culture and just constantly, you know, starving yourself and the people who are triggering you and talking about diet culture around you, that's very, very low vibration. But once you've started recovery and you're recovering, you're leveling up, you're leveling up to a place where you should be and where people naturally want to be. But so I think, and then you, if you were to um, kind of give in to those triggers, you would be lowering your vibrations for other people, but you don't want that. You want to be so comfortable with where you are that none of that affects you. And obviously it's so much easier said than done, but I feel like, because I'm someone who really resonates with just like 
spirituality and talking mm-hmm. about this kind of stuff it it really helps me and just seeing that you know um the the vibrational state that I want to be at is not where these triggers are mm-hmm. exactly they're they're very low vibration in general and you don't want to like I love that you mentioned sinking down to yeah. that vibration you can easily find that friend who's also stuck in diet culture and you guys can dwell in shame and self-loathing for weeks, months, Mm -hmm. years. And that's not going to get any of you anywhere, but you can be the friend who stays strong in her high vibration and transcends those small problems really. And says, you know, I have, I have more to focus on right now. I, I'm here for a higher purpose. I'm not here to say, stay small. I'm not here to focus on something so minute and let's focus on the big picture. Let's focus on what I'm here to really do, how I'm here to serve. And appearance is not just frankly, not in that category. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And what about body comparison in, in recovery, honestly, even in diet culture, when you're, when you're still stuck in diet culture, um, how do you overcome that body comparison especially when you're, you're gaining weight, that necessary weight gain, but then you're so focused on your own body and you're like comparing yourself to the people next to you. How do you overcome that? Oh, that's very, it's so challenging because it's very triggering to see someone who you think might have like a better body than you. And um, that is one of the most difficult things I think to overcome Mm -hmm. is this body comparison trap. And I know, you know, I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a doctorate in body comparison because I grew up with an identical twin. And what's the first thing people do when they see twins is they immediately compare everything. They compare freckles, they compare size of the feet. They compare, it's like out of this world, crazy how they'll compare personality. It's just, um, so I feel like that, that was really hard to overcome. And I still feel like being a twin, being compared to her is the hardest thing for me. But when it comes to being compared to other people, um, I think what really helps is just using that logic. Remember, using the tools you have, the education you have to get yourself through that moment. So for instance, I'm like six feet tall. Mm. I'm always going to weigh more than someone who's maybe like five feet tall. Mm -hmm. And when I was a kid, I would still be like, Oh, I weigh so much more than them. And why this is like, I'm, and, and you realize this doesn't make any sense. I'm in a totally different body than they are. And then that's when you can bring in things like set point and remember like my body is not meant to be the same size as theirs. And they have things that are beautiful about them that I'll never have and vice versa. You know, we are all different people. We're all beautiful. So you really have to lean into the fact that we have those differences and you're not all cookie cutters. We're not all the same. Um, But I also, another thing that really helps with the comparison is thinking about that spirituality piece and remembering that that's just not your place to anymore that was a journey you've been through and you're not going to go back Mm -hmm. 
yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well how weird would it be if everyone looked the same (laughs) I know oh my gosh it's it would be so weird and that comment made me think about something else that's really important to share and that is how weird would it be if your body stayed the same size throughout your entire life yeah that's so weird I would be (laughs) totally freaked out if we had a 60 year old woman (laughs) looking like a high schooler like what that doesn't even make sense (laughs) like why are we all trying to return back to our years of puberty when we're all in high school and we have we aren't really in our womenly bodies yet Mm -hmm. you know like I once had this friend who uh she was just we were both out of college we're we're healing growing becoming women really and I remember she's just so well adjusted and she's like yeah I've gained some weight recently I just feel like it's my body taking on its womanly shape (laughs) if only everyone could have that perspective and it was so true I I was mind blown I was like she just put that in the most beautiful way why can't we all just embrace the fact that our bodies are going to keep changing and that just comes with getting older and getting older also comes with so many blessings in itself the fact that you've lived another year the fact that you're so much wiser and that you've lived through so much and have become a more in-depth person who's gone through learn different lessons, you know, all of those things, if you're evolving as a person, your body's also going to be evolving. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You're not supposed to look like your teenage self. And a lot (laughs) of the times we have to let go of that, you know, that, that old body, you have to let go of your attachment to that old body. And I love your emphasis on the non-physical stuff, such as you're getting wiser. Like there's so many other things in your life that are evolving and your body is one of them. But remember that you're also gaining so much more knowledge and experiences just from the fact that you've lived another year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And if, and that makes me question, like if you are stuck in your high school body, have you evolved as a person? Mm. You know, maybe not. And we want to really detached from that old body. Our, our attachment to our body needs to be fluid and like kind of evolving secure. It it needs to be secure. There are going to be periods of your life where your body changes. And that might be a reflection of lifestyle as in you just move to a city where you're walking more, or maybe you're depressed for a season of your life and you've gained weight. I know that whenever I gain weight, it means I was a happy girl. <laughs> like, if I've lost weight, that means I'm not okay. I means I'm actually probably in a negative mental state for a season of my life. Yeah. So you know, we can't just say weight loss is a good thing. It's yeah. not always a good thing. If I lose weight, I actually get nervous for myself. Like, what's going on mentally? What? am I okay? Am I happy? Like what, what's going on? So everyone has a unique relationship with their body and how it transforms through different seasons of their life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that really needs to change in society, like not associating weight loss with something that is good because you don't, you never know what is going on in that person's personal life. This person could be sick and that's yeah. why they're 
they're they're losing weight and this person could be so happy with their new life in a new environment that they're gaining weight because they're actually living life so don't judge someone based off of you know their how their body is fluctuating absolutely absolutely it's it's very real to like when i look at someone who's gained weight I actually say to myself, wow, they must be really happy right now, or they're really taking care of themselves. Yeah. Um, because I, I know, like I live with my significant other and if he, first of all, I rarely notice if he does, but if I see pictures of him and he's gained a little weight, I'm like, oh, he's just eating well. That's mm-hmm. good for him. Like he must be in a good place. He's not being so hard on himself at the gym, yeah. you know, something like that. Yeah. That's how it is for me too. Yeah, it's all a shift in perspective. And if we can see that in other people, we can slowly start seeing that in ourselves and not be so hard on ourselves if we see that our body is changing. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You want to have compassion. And that's one of the most important skills you learn in recovery. I don't know if you can get through recovery without learning self-compassion. Yeah. Um, Self-compassion is the thing that will have your back. You know, you need to have your own back through the weight gain journey or whatever, whatever transformation your body is going through, you need to have compassion and see and understand why that's happening and why that's okay. Just remember it's all okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think another thing that's really important in recovery is just like being around people who are also so supportive. And I want to transition into talking about your recovery collective and just that community Um, Because I think it's so important to recognize that you don't have to go through this alone. Love if you could talk a little bit about that community. Yeah, thank you. Uh, That's very nice of you to to bring that up uh, because it's something I'm so passionate about. It is my favorite thing right now. And um, basically what the Recovery Collective is, is a online community where we come together, everyone in that community is living with an eating disorder or they've recovered. We have some people in the maintenance phase, we have some people just starting out. And the reason why I created this was because I found when I had my eating disorder, I was very isolated. I didn't talk to anyone about it besides my therapist pretty much. I didn't even talk to my sister about it. I was very alone. and. I know for a fact that in order to heal, you really do need to shine a light on what you're ashamed of and what you're, what you're going through in order to grow through that. And so this community is built so that people can really connect and shine a light on their shame and their problems and then support each other through that and focus on recovery instead of focusing on like the eating disorder itself. So for, I'm a huge friendship nerd. I love friends. That's also why I, I love friendship and fun. So that's another reason why I created this. Cause I was like, I think people with eating disorders deserve a little bit of fun. They deserve some lightness in the recovery process and they need something to get them out of their head. So the, the recovery collective serves as that place people can go where they realize there's so much more to this recovery thing and they they don't have to do it alone they can actually have a little bit of fun in the process because recovery is truly a gift there are girls in the collective who have made their best friends there Mm -hmm. like actual best friends like they post so glad i have this best friend in recovery with me 
And that really melts my heart. And I like want to cry when I think about it because at the end of the day, relationships are pretty much why we're all here, right? We're all here to really grow and heal and learn from relationships. And it's a human piece of human nature to connect. So I want people to come back to that place. Yeah, it's such a beautiful community and it helps you realize that there are people around you struggling as well, but because it is such an isolating, you know, eating disorders are so isolating, you don't see that and people typically don't like to talk about it. Um, But once you start being a little bit more vulnerable and you start opening up, you realize that so many people around you have struggled with whether it doesn't even have to be a full-blown eating disorder. Like most people have struggled with body image issues or their relationship with food, but you don't, it's so normalized in society that people don't really think that there's anything wrong with it. But in actuality, there's so many things wrong with it. But just being around people and being able to talk about it, you realize that you are not alone at all and you can get through this together. Exactly. And The interesting piece that I've noticed in the collective is that it validates a lot of people and where they are. So for instance, people join thinking, I don't know if I'm that sick or I don't know if I'm sick enough. And then they hear what people around them are saying and they're like, okay, I definitely do need help. I am in a place where I can get help. And this community is a good way to start that journey. Um, because I think a lot of people fall into that imposter syndrome where they're not sick enough. Um, and what I found is that the community kind of holds up a mirror to them and makes them realize, Oh, this really is something I need to focus on in my journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you said you want to help people get out of their heads and out of that eating disorder mindset. And one of your themes is just to help people rediscover life outside of their eating disorders. And Mm -hmm. I think when you stop being so food focused because you're actually nourishing yourself, you realize that you have so many passions or you start rediscovering or discovering Uh new passions outside of food and body. Mm -hmm. Oh, I couldn't agree more that. So the cool thing about recovery is that once you start nourishing yourself and food doesn't become the center is no longer the center of your life. You start having so much more fun. Yeah. And I remember recognizing this huge pendulum swing in my life where I was like depressed, unhappy, sad, alone. And then I took a few months to focus on recovery and the pendulum swung so far to fun, joy, excitement, connection, relationships, love, everything in the matter of months. And um, it was beautiful to just get into the place where I was having so much fun. I could care less about what my body looked like or what food I was really eating in that, that moment. It was like, I just let it go. And I said, I don't have time to worry about this anymore. I'm having a blast with life. And, um, that's what I want people to experience. And I see that in my clients all the time when they finally let go a little, you know, it does take courage to let go of control, but when they finally do, you know, I, I had a client once say to me, weight gain is so worth it. You know, she just said that to me because she was, she did a polar plunge uh, with friends and she was like, I wouldn't have even probably been able to get in that water if I hadn't like regained some weight. And so she did a polar plunge with friends and that was just a very fun 
like experience for her. And she was like, that weekend was so worth it just because I had that memory with friends. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And I remember sending you my photo of me going scuba diving. And I was telling you how, like, I would never be able to do this in the past because I would just have no energy, you know, Mm -hmm. swimming in the ocean and just like, you know, it requires so much energy, but that energy must come from somewhere and that somewhere it's food. So if you're properly nourishing yourself, you have the energy and you can actually live life. And like, I feel so much happier. I completely relate. It's waking is so necessary. It's so difficult. So you gotta be kind to yourself and just be, be, be really patient with yourself, but realize that it's going to be so worth it. You're going to gain so much of your life back. (laughs) So true. It is, it is absolutely worth it. And it is totally normal to have fat on your body. Fat is an organ. Yeah. And, and it actually, I'm in the place where I feel like it looks strange. If, if you have, you have no body fat, it's like, what's happening? Like, are you okay? Like we want you to have a little softness to your body. A little fat is fat in general is totally fine. Yeah. And we just have to embrace that and recognize that it's normal. Like I keep seeing that phrase, normalize normal bodies. Yeah. I just love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's the perfect way to end our podcast. (laughs) Normalize normal bodies. Yes. And I have one last question. Okay. We dive into, um, I guess my second to last question. Okay, cool. (laughs) But, and, um, I wanted to ask you if listeners could take away one lesson from our conversation today, what would you say that would be? Ooh. Okay. So I think what is the most important is for you to really connect with your big picture in life. Mm -hmm. Make the eating disorder small. You have to transcend the eating disorder and notice what's actually important in your life. Mm So the big picture is your vision. It's really that vision. That's your guiding light that will help you make those decisions and take action towards the life you want. And so that is the one thing I want everyone to take away. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And for my last question of the podcast, since my podcast is called it's growing season, I believe that just like crops, humans go through different seasons in their life. So I want to ask you, how would you define this specific season in your life? Oh, right now? Yes. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That is like opening a can of worms. You have another 20 minutes. (laughs) Um, Wow. Really good question. I think it's, I'm in a season of my life where in my business, I would say in general, summer's typically a little bit slower, less referrals coming in, more people traveling or taking a break with recovery. So I'm using this as a season to bring more um, creativity in my life and saying, how can I build up my, my business in a way that's really natural. So when things get really busy again, I have more systems in place that make it more efficient. So instead of stressing out about the, the slowness of the season, which other practitioners I talk to, everyone's saying it's a little slow this summer. Um, instead of worrying about that, I'm actually just gently moving through it and enjoying the process of 
growth and creativity. And that's something I've never done before. Usually I panic. So the mm-hmm. fact that I'm sitting and like just chilling out and enjoying myself is a huge thing also. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, there's been a lot of really cool changes within the collective and my podcast that I'm super excited about that are coming into play for the fall. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm so excited to hear, you know, about all the exciting new changes happening. And yeah. I also saw on your Instagram that you're interviewing like an OCD coach, right? Yes. Yes. I'm so excited about that. I am because you and like a million other people <laughs> all at the same time were asking me about OCD and eating disorders. <laughs> so I actually sought her out because I, I was like, this is a sign I need to really learn more about this. So I reached out to an OCD specialist. So she'll be, I'll be interviewing her on Friday. Oh, oh my gosh. It's so funny how I wasn't the only one who asked, but I'm so excited to hear that episode. <laughs> I think you were probably like number six out of 10. Oh it was, my gosh. yeah, it, there were a lot of people within two weeks who reached out asking me questions about that. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm really excited for that. And just, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Meg. And for our listeners who are curious to learn more about you, where can they find you and where can they find your content? Great question. So they can first go to my website, which is meg-mccabe.com. They can also find me on Instagram, which is at meg underscore mccabe. And then they can also follow the recovery collective, which is at the underscore recovery collective on Instagram. I also have a TikTok, but it's very small. (laughs) If you go down the rabbit hole, you might be able to find that too. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you so, so much. I am so happy that you joined me today. And I honestly, I learned so much and thank you just for bringing so much positivity onto my show today. Well, thank you, Maggie. It was a joy to connect with you. It's, it's really fun to see how our relationship has evolved throughout the past year. And I'm very happy for you in general. I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to leave me a review and give me a follow. And you can also find me on my Instagram at mags.lee and at its growing season, as well as my website, which is growwithmaggie.com. And you'll be able to find all of this in the show notes below. Thank you so much again for taking the time to listen. And I hope to see you in a future episode. Bye, everybody.